today I'm going to start, I believe I may have announced this, but I'm going to start a, what is currently designed to be a five-sermon series out of Matthew 24. If you are familiar with Matthew 24, you know that it is what is called the Olivet Discourse, because Jesus on the Mount of Olives gives this discourse, and it is the fifth such discourse in the Gospel of Matthew. But this chapter is all about the second coming of Jesus, and so I've entitled this series, The Return of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to take, Lord willing, the first 14 verses, and I'm going to try to move quickly through those. So I'm just going to read the first three verses, and then we'll walk through the rest of that together through the sermon. So to save time, just the first three. Matthew 24, 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings, but he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished, not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? And what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And some would translate that the end of the age. So today, for just a little bit, I'm going to preach signs of the second coming. Signs of the second coming. God bless you. You may may be seated today glad all of you are here and uh, expecting God to do great things in the remainder of this service. On road trips, how many of you watch the road signs that tell you how far it is to your destination? If you're like me, not only am I watching for the road signs, but I have this, this habit and this pattern of calculating distance. I know today we have GPS that tells me when I'm going to arrive, but they're wrong because I drive faster than they anticipate. I'm not suggesting that you should do the same, but I'm constantly, before GPS, and I, I was constantly, I would look and it'd be like 70 miles to my destination, knowing that if I'm doing 70 miles an hour, I'm going to be there in 60 minutes and figuring out if it's 18 miles, how long, and I do this math all the time, well, it's. It's 70 miles an hour, and that means in 10 minutes I'm going to be this far, and then tack on another, and I'm just like constantly calculating. Anybody else do that, or am I the only OCD person in the room? Okay, a few of you, all right. But when you see these signs, you know that there is a destination. You're, hopefully your specific destination is coming up, calculating what's it going to look like and how soon are you going to be there, and We have signs that tell us of the second coming of Jesus. This sermon is, in essence, capturing a centuries-long discussion on when will Jesus return. And I would tell you that it is sooner than we think. By looking at the world around us, which I'm going to challenge you to do, it's, it's going to be sooner than we anticipate. But the question is often, when will it happen and how will we know when it is close? Are there signs that tell us how close we are? And then 
does it even matter if we know that He's coming? Or does it even matter if we know how close we are or when He may come? The three verses that I read set the context for the rest of the chapter 24 and chapters 25 in the Gospel of Matthew. The disciples had been to the temple with Jesus and as they are leaving the temple, they're they're pointing out not only the main temple, but they're looking at various other buildings around on the temple complex. And they look at those and they're pointing them out and Jesus just says, there's coming a time when this is all going to be wiped out. Not one stone will be left upon another. They, of course, have questions about this. The temple, it is the the focus of Jewish worship. It is the the thing, the place where they assume and, and anticipate that God dwells in this temple, specifically the Holy of Holies. And I don't have time to describe all of the temple, but they look at this grand temple that was rebuilt by Zerubbabel and by Ezra and then taken to this heights of grandeur by Herod the Great, the one who killed the two-year-and-under children in Bethlehem after the birth of Jesus. That Herod the Great who had decided to make his name known and to to use architecture and buildings to, to leave a legacy, he had taken it and tried to restore it to some of the splendor of Solomon and some of the grandeur of that original building. And they asked, Jesus two questions when they get alone with him. When will the temple be destroyed? And what is the sign of your coming? For them, the destruction of the temple was seen as synonymous with the end of the age. That if there is no temple, then the Messiah has to be back. He has to be here. He has to be living. It has to be something different than what we are anticipating now. Jesus had already told them, speaking of Himself, which they didn't understand, destroy this temple or this body, and in three days I will raise it up. And so when He says this temple is going to be destroyed, they're thinking, that's what Jesus had already told us. So if the temple gets destroyed, and in three days He's going to come back and He's going to fix this. He's going to set it all back up. They didn't understand Jesus spiritual implication of his death at his temple and in three days out of the, in the grave and then he would raise himself from the, from the dead. They didn't get that. They think that Jesus' second coming and this temple are synonymous events. They've got to take place at the same time. And so they said to Jesus, when's the temple going to be destroyed? He doesn't answer that question, by the way. But he says... The next question, what will be the sign of your coming? And this is really the question that he answers. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, well, there are no signs. You won't have a clue when I'm coming back. He doesn't say, don't ask that question. I'm not telling you there. But he says there are signs of my coming back. There are signs of this second coming. And so... For the next few minutes, I'm going to give you four signs of the second coming that Jesus gives in this first section of chapter 24. The first sign is this. It is the sign of false Christ. A false Christ is someone who claims to be the Messiah, but is really not. 
the word Christ, it is the Greek word, it, it comes from the Greek Christos, which means Messiah, which is the same as the Hebrew word Mashiach. Be careful who you're looking at when you say that because you have a tendency to spit when you do that. Mashiach, it means Messiah. So Jesus is, it is Jesus the Messiah. Yeshua HaMashiach, He is the Messiah. It is Jesus the one who is the Messiah. And He says there are going to be a lot of false messiahs. There's going to be a lot of false Christs who come on the scene. It's going to be a sign of His coming. Now understand, there were, there were a lot of false Christs in Jesus' day. A lot of people were claiming to be the Messiah. The Jews were looking for a Messiah. They're looking for deliverance from Rome. They're looking for somebody to come and be the Savior. It had been prophesied going all the way back to Genesis 3 and throughout the Old Testament, this prophecy of the coming Messiah. And they're looking for Him. They're tired of, of Roman bondage. They're tired of being enslaved to Rome. So a lot of false Christ during Jesus' day. If you get on Wikipedia... And I wouldn't advise you to get on Wikipedia to get most of your information, but you just put in false Messiah or false Christ on Wikipedia, you'll get a whole long list of people over the last two centuries who have claimed to be the Messiah. Various beliefs, some Christian, some not, but they've claimed to be the Messiah. None of them have been the Messiah. We are living in a day when it's not abnormal for people to claim that. But understand, there is coming a false messiah that will be the false messiah that the bible would refer to as the antichrist not just an antichrist not just one of many but he is the one that the bible has prophesied he is soon to come he comes in relation to the second coming of jesus and i i'm not going to give you a full timeline today we'll flesh it out over the next few sundays But Jesus says this, when you see these false messiahs, these false Christs, don't be misled. 2 Thessalonians would say, don't be deceived when people say the Messiah has come. That a lot of people are going to say, hey, this is the Messiah, this is the one we've been looking for. Do not be misled. I just heard this morning, actually yesterday, and I didn't catch it all, so I listened to a podcast this morning. AI is all the rage in our world, artificial intelligence, which is artificial, but it's not intelligent. It's computer programming designed to do certain things and to spit out certain results. There is a new AI Jesus, an artificial intelligence Jesus, and I heard some of what this artificial intelligence Jesus was saying today things that go along not with the bible but with our current culture and things that go along not with the bible but with current liberal theology the idea is that it scoured the bible and this is what it comes up with and i wouldn't advise you to go look it up necessarily but some of the people are going one of the one of the quotes was this this is the jesus i've always been looking for A computer program Jesus. Not not the Jesus of the Bible. Not a Jesus that's going to tell you the truth. Not a Jesus that would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But this fake Jesus that would say, just find whatever you want to find out there. Just be on your own journey. And as long as you're on a journey, everything's good. A journey's only good if you're going to the right destination. And anything that doesn't take you to the right destination is not a journey you want to be on. 
Understand the Bible so that you are not fooled by the real thing. Understand what the Bible says about His second coming and about who He is so you're not fooled when other people say, I'm the Messiah, or other people build up and say, this is the one we've been looking for. And even in Paul's day, 2 Thessalonians, I reference it again, he said, many have been saying that Christ is here and Christ is there. He said, don't be fooled, don't be misled. He's not coming in some secret way. When he comes, you're going to know it if you know the Bible. When, you, when he comes, you're going to know that he is here if you understand the word of God. The second sign is this, it is the sign of wars and disasters. Jesus says, the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. That you're going to hear a lot about this, but he says, don't be frightened. Don't be scared because these things must happen. When Russia invaded Ukraine, after COVID and all that was going on and Russia invaded Ukraine, people began to question, is this it? Are these the wars and the rumors of wars that Jesus had spoken of in Matthew 24? If you listen to the news, you will hear talk that in the next few months, that the United States is likely to be at war with China, and we're going to be at war over Taiwan and various things. That there's all kinds of rumors. And you never know what's true and what's not true. It's the problem with a rumor, until it happens, and you don't know if it's true. But Jesus said, these things are going to happen. The response for those who serve God is not to be afraid, not to be scared. keep our eyes focused on Jesus. I heard this this morning. In case you didn't know, I listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts. October 4th, I think it's 2.20 Eastern, which should be around 1.20 Central. What's being said is there's going to be a nationwide alert that takes place. Every cell phone will go on alert in the United States with a message that says this is just a test of the national alert system. We'll see. It's not that far away. So the theory is this, why do we need a national alert system? It's not like the amber alerts you get that are fairly local. Somebody's been kidnapped or whatever. Why do people in New York need to know what's happening in Arizona. Rumors that maybe they're gearing up that we need a national alert system because things are coming down the pipe. But the response is this, don't be afraid. God is still in control. God is still the protector. He's still the one that can take care of us if we put our trust and our hope and our dependence on Him. All we have to do is continue to look to Him. And I told somebody the other day, if I get killed, guess what? That just means I get to go to heaven quicker. I'm not going to be silly and go put myself in harm's way. I'm not going to help Jesus out. He doesn't need my help. I'll get to heaven when He wants me to. 
But if something happens to me, guess what? I get to spend an eternity with Jesus, and my eternity starts at that moment. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be scared of when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Sign number three. Well, let me, before I do that, Jesus said not only wars, but disasters. You notice the increase of disasters. The Maui situation, which talking about Maui, if Google catches it, they'll, they could block this sermon. We'll see if it happens. We'll see how much they care about what we're doing at Cross Church. You can't talk about Maui. I've heard that in that natural disaster, and they say, oh, just a few people have gotten killed, and this, that it's, it should be well over four figures that what people are saying of really the loss of life in Maui. Some have questioned whether it's natural. Some have whether, questioned whether it's intentional. I don't know. But here's what I know. Hurricanes have picked up. Here's what I know. Earthquakes have picked up. From 1900 to 2000, we averaged every 10 years some 47 or 48 earthquakes of any significant magnitude, and from 2000 to 2010, some 470 plus earthquakes in that one decade. Earthquakes and famines and the natural disasters, I even looked this up, like what, what is this that the Bible says we have famines coming? What does that mean? How is that? According to projection, there are an expected 345.2 million people who will be food insecure in 2023, according to one government source. The number of undernourished people grew by as many as 150 million from 2019 to 2022. Nearly 130,000 people in the Horn of Africa are facing life-threatening hunger and nearly 50 million are facing crisis levels of food insecurity. Up to 205 million are expected to face acute food insecurity and be in need of urgent assistance in 45 countries. There are 349 people marching to starvation. The state of food security and nutrition in the world, a study revealed that between 691 million and 783 million people faced hunger in 2022, over double the previous number, or almost double the previous number I read. An increase of 122 million. Famine and shortage of food and natural disasters and earthquakes, it's a sign that he's coming soon. It's a sign that Jesus is soon to come. I don't know when he's coming. I can't put a time on it. I can't put a date on it. But I can look at the signs that Jesus gave and say he's coming soon. He is soon to return. Anybody looking forward to the return of Jesus? Anybody looking for him to come the second time? Sign number three. From verses 9 through 13, if you're following along in the app or in your Bible. Sign number three is this, a sign of a great falling away. That Jesus said during the time of tribulation, during this time, persecution, there will be a great falling away. Falling away from what? 
from relationship with Jesus. Falling away from trusting in Jesus. Falling away from following Jesus. And he says that during this time of tribulation, people will betray one another. People will turn one another in. They're not going along with the system. They're not going along with what's supposed to be happening, and so we turn them in. We live in a world that is divided. It was said during COVID that the government wasn't going to need to police whether people stayed home or not. They were looking to the people to police it for them. Looking for people to turn in their neighbor and looking for people to turn in their family. They're going out when they're supposed to be locked down. It happened in Nazi Germany. It's not, it is, people are not any different here. And Jesus said it's coming. It's a time of betrayal. They will betray one another. They will turn people in. And the people who follow Jesus will be hated for his name. This person's following the... Jesus over here. They're not following the AI Jesus. They're not following the false Jesus. They're following the real Jesus. We don't like that. They hate people. They say people should turn from sin. They say people should live holy. They say people should live righteous. They say there's only one way to heaven. These people are hateful. All you have to do is look around. It's already here. It's already in our world. You just get on Facebook. You get on social media. You listen to the news. Betrayal and divisiveness. And it will lead, he said, to this great falling away. But not only, that's not the only reason that people will fall away. But he said there are going to be false prophets. People that are coming and they're preaching a false gospel. They're preaching a gospel that doesn't get you to heaven. They're preaching false things about the end times or what Jesus has said or what his word says. He said there's going to be an increase of sin. That sin and lawlessness will increase. And when that happens, at the same time that people are sinning more and more, that they're turning from following Jesus more and more, He said the love of many will grow cold. The love for God, the love for truth, the love for the ways of the kingdom are going to grow colder and colder. People who once loved God are going to be following something else. And people who once served God are going to be following something else. Sin increasing and love decreasing. But he said this in verse 13. He or the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who in the face of tribulation and the one who in the face of betrayal and the one who in the face of false prophets remains firm and remains committed to Jesus, that person who endures is the one who's going to be saved. That if you fall away and if you turn from following Jesus, you're not going to be saved, but you have to endure to the end. Whether that's your end or the end when He comes back, either way, you have to remain faithful to Jesus Christ all the way through. It's not the person who starts in faith. It's the person who ends in faith. It's not the one who starts out serving Jesus. It's the one who ends serving Jesus. If you want to be saved, you've got to endure to the end. 
I'm 51 years old. I've been in this all my life. But if I come down at 65 or 70 and I turn from Jesus, none of that mattered. My salvation is not based on what I did in the past or what I'm doing now. It's what I continue to do. And will He find faith in me when He comes? Will I be trusting Him and will I be following Him? Will I be committed to Him? i got to hurry. One minute on my timer. So I'm going to ignore it. This word endures here. It's an active verb in Greek. What that means is you have to do this. An active verb means that you're doing it. The subject does it. The one who endures. Put yourself that... You can make yourself the subject. You have to endure. But here's the the good part. We'll be saved is passive. You endure, He'll save you. You can't save yourself. But if you endure, you remain faithful, He will save you. It is a passive verb that happens to those who endure, those who continue to serve Him, and those who continue to love Him, those who continue to follow Him, those who remain faithful in persecution and tribulation, those who do not let their love for God fade. Those are the people that will be saved. He will save you. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to save yourself, but Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the one who's going to take us all the way to heaven. And when you see the sign that says Kansas City, 67 miles ahead, you can know if I just stay on this road, guess what? I'm getting to Kansas City. But if you decide to take an exit somewhere, it's no longer 67 miles. So as long as we stick with Jesus, He's going to save us. We're going to be there in the end with Him. Anna would go ahead and come to give you hope that I'm almost done. The fourth sign is this. That the gospel will be preached to all nations. NLT, as you see on the screen behind me, the good news. It is the gospel, the euangelion. It is the good news about the kingdom. The New American Standard would say it this way, this good news. Not just anything that's good news or proclaims to be good news, but there's only one good news. As Paul would say, there's only one gospel, and it is this gospel, this good news about the kingdom of God. It will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The phrase throughout the whole world doesn't mean that every person everywhere will hear. But everywhere the gospel will be preached. Not every person is going to hear, but every place it will be preached. And all nations will hear and it will be a testimony of what God has said. We are part of the United Pentecostal Church International. Brother Slayton, who was here last week, he serves as the 
secretary for our global missions. This is an understatement that I'm getting ready to give you. It's, it's probably too, I, well, I'll just tell you what I think it is. That we have missionaries and works in some 235 nations and territories. If you go out there and search the internet, you'll see there's 195 nations, some 58 territories. 253 if you put them together. The United Pentecostal Church won this apostolics. We're in 235 and counting. We're not the only true church. We're not the only source of truth. So it's conceivable that there are another 18 territories where the gospel is also being preached by somebody else. When all the nations hear the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, then the end will come. It's closer than you think. Signs of his coming. False Christ, wars and disasters, people falling away, and the gospel preached throughout the whole world. So, how do you get ready for the second coming? There's only one way to be ready that's to be born again. You've probably you've heard it, but how do you get born again? commit your life to Jesus Christ. You repent of your sins. Turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus. You take on His name in the waters of baptism and let Him wash away your sin. Our sins are washed away in the waters of baptism and His name is placed on our life. And be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit evidence and speaking in a language you don't know. If you want to be ready, you've got to be born again. Not born again as Barna would say, not born again as church organizations would say but born again as the Bible says anything short of that you have no confidence of a hope in Jesus Christ unless you follow the word of God so here is my call to you today make sure of your salvation if you haven't repented don't wait till tomorrow If you haven't repented, don't wait till next week. If you haven't committed your life fully to Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. If you haven't been baptized in the waters of baptism, I've already checked it. It feels good and it smells good. But it wouldn't matter if it stunk and it was cold if Jesus' name is invoked when we put you under the water. He'll wash away your sins. If you have faith in Him, when you go down in the waters of baptism, He'll take away all your sins and place His name on your life. If you haven't been filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit evidence when speaking in other tongues, this is your day. We are not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. When we get rid of our fear and we put our faith in Him, we quit worrying about what's going to happen and what does it mean and just go, God, I want what you have for me. And I would tell you this, he doesn't just hit you with it. 
you don't just walk in the door and God said, all right, today I'm just going to hit you. No, but when you lift your hands and you lift your heart and you lift your voice and you say, God, I want to be filled with your spirit and your faith is completely in him. He's just waiting on us to get to that moment. His coming is closer than we think. Would you stand together all across the room today? I feel the presence of God in this room and I can see that some of you do as well. So I'm going to invite you wherever you are in your faith journey, come take the next step. To make sure of your salvation, study the Word of God. Observe and interpret the signs around us. And make disciples. There's, nobody, there's nothing else we can take to heaven with us but our family if they're born again. And our friends if they're born again. So today, would you commit to following Jesus Christ? Would you commit to giving everything to Him? Making your salvation sure. God, we need you today. Come on, would you come? Everybody across this room, would you come? Would you? It may be out of your comfort zone, but just step forward as a sign of faith. God, I want what you have for me. God, I want everything you have for me. 